episode 205, bonus edition, interview with Barry White Jr. Hi, I'm Dennis Sheeran. And I'm Raymond Steinmetz from the Instant Relevance Podcast. And we're part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educator's podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. In fact, I call you elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this one to help hone their craft. Today is a special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator named Barry. He's got quite an empowering message. But before I let you tune into our conversation, let me tell you a little bit more about him. Popularized as the handshake teacher, Barry White Jr. is a top-tier educator in the North Carolina school system, teaching fifth graders of Ashley Park Elementary School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Woo-woo to my hometown. Mr. White earned his Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from Claflin University and is a distinguished member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity. As an educator for the past three years, Mr. White has made it his mission to build relationships with students and create a family-oriented atmosphere where students can be assured that their voice matters. He strives to inspire through innovative teaching practices and by nurturing creativity amongst young scholars. Mr. White discovered that a practice he had implemented as a sign of trust between him and his students had gone viral. Mr. White's increasing popularity stemmed from that recording, which depicted him giving personalized handshakes to each of his students, attracting attention all over the world. His purpose, to stress the importance of individuality and the positive impact that giving individualized attention to each student can have. Mr. White has been featured in the Charlotte Observer, highlighting his efforts as a co-founder for the Ashley Park Blue Wings step team aimed at increasing collegiate interest. He is a recipient of the North Carolina AT&T Heritage Award and has made appearances on the Steve Harvey Show, the Today Show, Kevin Hart's TKO Show, and other national media outlets. It is his goal to create opportunities that will generate collegiate interests among students and propel them to strive for sights and adventures beyond their local surroundings. Barry White Jr. has been instrumental in youth empowerment, encouraging youth to utilize their platforms and gifts to motivate and inspire others. He believes in pushing children to be global leaders, fostering both global and cultural awareness. Mr. White aims to continue his career in educational leadership with plans of becoming a school principal in the coming years. 
Barry is also founded an organization, the Barry White Jr. Foundation, where he will be a direct liaison for educators, providing tips on enhancing the learning experience for students, capitalizing on the various learning styles. I mean, come on, people. This guy is out of this world, creative, innovative, passionate, and inspiring for not just teachers, but students too. And like I said, he's from my hometown, Charlotte, North Carolina. So I had to have him on the show. I think the world of this human being, and I cannot wait for you to listen in on our conversation. And please, at the end, when I share how to connect with him, please take advantage of that. Well, hey, Barry, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this podcast with you. I heard a lot of good things. I've you know, looked up a few episodes and I'm excited to share some knowledge. That's right. And that's what I love because we have elite educators. They are tuning in all over the world. They're just eager to hear what you have to say and hear about your experiences. So I'm going to jump right into some questions if you don't mind. Let's get started. Okay. So I am going to preface this conversation by saying I did reach out to you with you not knowing who I was. And I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate you for (laughs) responding and not thinking I was some weirdo. (laughs) Um, But go ahead and explain, you know, how our two paths had crossed and your interest in coming on to share your story. Yes, yeah, so I was, um, so actually I was just, you know, using uh, America's favorite tool right now, which mm-hmm. is social media, mm-hmm. and scrolling through Instagram, and I'm always looking for, you know, different inspirations and different creative ideas, or just somebody, you know, people to listen, listen to that's actually in the field, in the trenches, and I happened to come across your page, you know, you did message me, and I, when I did look at your page and look at some of the content, I was really interested in just the fact that you're giving space for you know, what is new teachers or uh, veterans mm-hmm. or, like you said, teachers that's in need right. to just an opportunity to share their voice. And I'm um, I'm always really uh, an advocate of teachers finding a voice and empowering others and themselves. And just given that space and opportunity, I couldn't resist. I said, okay, I'm attracted to this. <laughs> okay, good. We're going to dig in more to your role, and I'll share a little bit more as we go on why I was so interested in you. But tell us your current position in the field as of today. Yes, yeah, so I'm a fifth grade literacy teacher, uh, ELA, um, at Ashley Park Elementary. That's right, you see? <laughs> this is actually my, um, fourth, my fifth year teaching, my fourth year at Ashley Park. And in addition to actually teaching fifth grade literacy, I've also assumed the role of principal intern this year for my school. Holy so, cow. Just, you know, take another step in leadership and trying to balance the two, you know, and, uh, just, you know, fill all, all those different spaces on my way up to the next level. Good grief. I mean, God bless you. First of all, ELA is a hard content area to teach, in my opinion, because sometimes the weight of the world comes on us literacy teachers and they say, you know, you are the ones that teach reading and writing, but that is something that every subject area needs to hit. And I know in fifth grade, they're getting ready for middle school. And I can just imagine what you're bearing in terms of the weight of trying to get everyone ready and keep everyone calm. And then in in addition to that, you're wanting to grow your leadership potential. So I am amazed and interested in kind of your path to why you wanted to balance both of these things together. Yes. Um, yes, like you said, with uh, fifth grade ELA or just reading in general, literacy, it, it does, a lot of times it does come down to 
uh, whether or not we're effective in our content and how that affects others' content. Like, for example, in one of our meetings, um, you know, one of the uh, people in leadership made a statement that, hey, you know, when we're focusing on, quote, small groups and interventions, we're going to go ahead and put reading at the forefront because, like in math, when you see at the end of the year state test, the majority of the problems are what? Word problems. Or so in science, they have to be able to read, you know, and identify vocabulary. So it all kind of comes back to me and what I'm doing right. that, you know, affects other content areas. So, yes, it, it's a, it's a, um, it's definitely a gift and a curse, but I would say more of a gift just because the, the opportunity that we do have to expose um, scholars to just and build their joy and love for reading as opposed to um, just simply teaching them, one, how to uh, learn to read, right? And then from there, kind of flipping the switch and teaching them to read to learn. I think that's just a beautiful, mm. uh, you know, time. And uh, when you see that actually manifest, I feel like that's a really a great feeling for us, you know, in literacy that, wow, I've seen the switch happen because it doesn't always happen right. before fifth grade or at the time that, you you know, you would like for it to happen. So I think that's just uh, an amazing feat. And then um, as far as just trying to extend my leadership, uh, just really focusing on one, growing as a person and educator mm -hmm. and also coming with uh, not just leading uh, students, but then also leading adults. Right. So not keeping the knowledge that I have or experiences or techniques and things that I've seen to myself. I'm like, you know what? Let me go out and try to, you know, extend my hand and yes. let me do it in a formal way to where I can reach and impact more individuals that are, you know, in return, impacting other students. So it's kind of just broader in that reach, broader mm -hmm. in that range of, you know, impact and influence. And just really, um, I think it's a special thing being able to connect to other adults. Oh, yeah. They're just, just general, right? So I'm big on relationships with students. And, um, that's kind of like my key, my number one priority. Yeah. But at the same time, also with adults and connecting with other adults and building that network to where we can do, you know, more together than I can do individually in my classroom. Yeah, y'all need to watch Barry's videos of in the classroom, like some cool raps he does with his kids to help him learn, and just his energy and the way he connects. And you can't just say relationships are the number one thing that drives student achievement and not back it up. And when you watch you in action, it's like, okay, relationships are number one, and it's so inspiring. I'm, I'm telling, I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, I try to, uh, you know, kind of like uh, the kids say, walk it like you talk it, right? So <laughs> yeah. I try to, you know, I always tell my students that, because I know I was talking to one of my colleagues, he, uh, you know, a new teacher, and I was just telling him, you know, he's, you know, so when you come in, you're trying to prioritize, okay, what do I want is the highest leverage? Is it me building relationships or is the academic portion? Because sometimes you can look at that as being separate. Right. And I was telling him how, you know, right out the gate, you know, my number one priority was building relationships. Like I needed them to understand, like, to trust that I had their best interests at hand mm -hmm. and, like, really to buy in to just me being their teacher. And it was times where I solely focused on that, whereas the academics didn't necessarily, you know, increase to the point where we wanted to, but then I've learned to balance that, right? I learned that one affects the other. Mm -hmm. So when I, once I have them, they got their buy-in, now, you know, I was able to pretty much uh, practice my craft and work on craft and like my techniques and pedagogy. And then now I have them. Once I have them, once you have students, they're there. They follow you to oh, the yeah. end of the cliff. They mm -hmm. need to, right? Because that's how much that they, they invest in you because they see that you're investing in them. So, I mean, that's really a big piece of um, just that relationship building and that, um, that investment just for uh, just me and to them and then them and to me. 
That's so good. And you mentioned Ashley Park. So those who are not here in Charlotte with you and I, explain to them what type of school that is, what types of students are able to go there. Yeah, so um, Ashley Park is a Title I school, a public school in Charlotte, um, North Carolina. Uh, the demographics are predominantly African-American. Um, we're low socioeconomic status. Uh, it's free reduced lunch for a lot of our scholars. So um, um, what you will find is, like most of you know, Title I schools, a lot of our students come in with not-so-ideal backgrounds, right, or um, situations at home. Like we have a lot of um, McKinney Vento students mm-hmm. and things of that nature when you find that school is actually their place of peace, right? Or, or like their their time to get away. Like how we leave, some teachers leave the classroom and you get outside of school, that's your time. Well, their time actually starts when they get into school. So is this really comes down to, just to ask the part, what experience are we giving them? And like from pre-K to eighth, we're going to eighth grade, what is their actually Park experience? Like what impact are we having, not just academically, but then in their lives that they carry, building their character. When they go to high school, what what are they taking with them as opposed to just know how to write a craft, a well-written main idea, right? right? So it was like, you know, more a little bit more than that. And um, I feel like we especially have to focus on that with students, you know, from our type of demographic and population that really need that. Like, there's a lot of people that can say what you need, but our students really need uh, both um, the head work that we're providing with academic and being strategic and intentional, but then the hard work as well that, you know, we're really pouring in and they see this authentic investment. We generally care about what happens next, right? The next day or the next moment. And I think they, they sense that they feed off that and they, they pour that right back into us, which keeps the train, you know, kind of going to where we don't have to, uh, you know, fall off or take too, uh, too many permanent stops. Yeah, that's such good, wise advice and approach for any teacher listening about really being there for all aspects of the student. It's not just that you're their teacher this year. You're setting them up for success in the classroom, out of the classroom, today, tomorrow, and always. And it's about helping them learn to think. How can they use these skills in other situations and investing in them as people, helping them grow and mature and, you know, navigate, gosh, fifth grade, they're going through a lot of different things and They just need someone to be like, hey, that's normal. And, you know, hormones are raining or you just feel angry sometimes or you can't make sense of this. And, you know, relationships with friends or maybe they're interested in girls or boys. And it's just like it's it's so much stuff happening in their little world. And you're basically able to validate what they're going through, but also help them concentrate on what the important things are. And I think that's such a, a valid comment that you made about, you know, the whole uh, transformation that a child needs from an adult like yourself. Absolutely. And I totally agree. Totally agree. When you were talking about leadership and, and wanting to grow in that aspect, I assume you've also had the opportunity in the classroom to be a leader to your peers. Maybe you've had mentees or student teachers or something like that. Is that true? Yes. Yes. I'm uh, one of the teacher leaders in the building and uh, I, I do have assigned uh, mentees and different uh, people who, uh, you know, just need to provide a little more experience or support uh, within uh, school. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you what makes an educator great. And now that you have been able to see new teachers coming in and mentor them while also working with other great colleagues who are veterans and then, you know, starting this bridge to the academic um, team or excuse me, the administrative team and seeing that sort of lens of what goes on at Ashley Park. What would you say are the characteristics that really makes a great educator? 
Well, I would say so. So it's multiple. Well, we can we can always you know say there's multiple um, items or factors that go into a great educator. I would say for me personally, uh, the ability to pause, like reflect, own, and then adjust, is the things that I've seen uh, the uh, educators that I deem great do to be effective in the schools or effective with leading people in general. Because mm-hmm. that all like there's never a time when I've got the magic key. Like th- this is it. I know, you know, for next five years, <laughs> this is where I, I'm doing the same thing. Right. You know, it's going to work every single time. I'm going to get the results. Nah, it's, it's every single, like literally it can be weekly or daily. Mm-hmm. I'm having to stop even in my classroom go, hold on. That didn't work. All right, let me reflect on this. And then most important, let me own that. All right, I'm just not going in the right direction right now. Or oh, I thought I had it mm-hmm. and I don't, right? Kind of putting that pride aside, that embarrassment, that, Man, I was wrong. I don't want anybody to know. Let's get rid of that. Own that and then adjust. You have to be able to do that on the fly and just being, you know, that real flexibility piece that everybody puts in their resume. Like being able to <laughs> adjust. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Being able to adjust and, uh, and just even adults, like when you lead an adults, it's own that, hey, maybe my delivery on this wasn't good or my directions weren't good. So let me try to revisit this, reframe, new game plan. Here we go, right? Just being showing that vulnerability uh, uh, is showing that you one that you're human, especially when you're in leadership. A lot of times you can come off that like you're just a robot, or like you're not as passionate as I may be because I'm in the classroom and I'm having these emotions and things of that nature. So, uh, so that that is a big piece for me. And then um, I would kind of compound that and stamp that with just the educators that are able to successfully balance. Um, the relationship aspect and academic piece, mm-hmm. right? So just being able to feed both sides of the child and not get too caught up on one yep. or the other. Like, you know, whereas now I've done them a disjustice because while this may have been my oh, my year of trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to focus on relationship and maybe next year I'll do academics, this is the only year to get both. Like mm-hmm. This is the only year they have with you in that experience in fifth grade or fourth grade to receive that type of you know character building and academic uh, pedagogy that you that you you know are here to present to them. So those I would say those two are what to me what makes an educator great and just being a lifelong learner, man. Never never evolving, constantly evolving. That goes into um, really you know bringing out the best in you because you're consistently reflecting on what can I do better, how can I impact, what influence can I have here. And, you know, I think that's just qualities that that never cease to amaze me when I see any others around me or like, you know, my peers or leaders in the building. What I appreciate about your answer is you are modeling for your students what you want from them. You're being transparent about your instructional choices, whether they work or they don't work. You're being flexible in the moment to make a change without getting down and depressed about it. And you do it so often that it just becomes the normal learning process. It's I fall down, I get back up. I fall down, I get back up. Instead of it being something that takes you down and takes you out, and it doesn't have to be like that. And you want them to show up to learn. And even if they get an answer wrong, or they didn't do well on this assignment. It's okay. We get back up. We shrug it off. We try a different approach. We come up with new energy. And I think when you are displaying that to them constantly, they're able to see, wow, it's just like how we do things in this class. And we're not judging. Like we don't get upset when he just, you know, messes up and he doesn't get upset when we're messing up. And this is how we just become better people. 
or better students. And I really like that transparency piece. No, I absolutely, definitely appreciate that because I mean that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you know, we model lessons, we model how to read, how to pronounce words. So why not model what we expect in the process that we go through as far as on a daily daily basis as an adult? That hey, this is another ending. Like once you turn eighteen, you don't just turn off. Well, that was a learn I needed. <laughs> Let me just go out into the world. Nope, even Mr. White still doing that at twenty eight. So. Yes, I agree. We were talking about mentorship and you really helping other people, but who helps you? Who is your current mentor and why do you choose them to be that? So uh, my current mentor has been a mentor since I was in college uh, by the name of Haywood John. He's a a principal at Mellichamp Elementary in South Carolina, Orangeburg, South Carolina. And he was a mentor uh, through my Call Me Mr. program, which is a a male-educated program in South Carolina. And then he... As he was a teacher, so what's important, what's the significance to me um, in relationship I have with him is I watched him actually as a teacher as I'm going through college, and he would go in, in South Carolina, put on um, rap concerts, like he would dress up like Superman. This was like <laughs> 2000. This is when it wasn't even popular. Social media wasn't even at its height, you know. So I mean, he's you know costumes and. I mean, you know, just, you know, male, regular male educator in, in fourth grade, um, he was teaching social studies and reading, and he would do all these things and how his students gravitated toward him. Like, he would bring them in, like, had them on a radio station, like, all these powerful things within the community, <laughs> and then I watched them, you know, ascend to principalship, and I just kind of, I always say, like, I'm, I'm following his blueprint. I'm just doing it in the 2019 version. You right? totally so, are. Like, like he didn't have, uh, you know, all the things we have now, technology so advanced. So he's, you know, but he did this without that. And I'm like, I really thought about, wow, like the imp- how his students felt about him. I would see how they look every move and mm-hmm. follow him everywhere in school. I'm like, that is something that I, you know, that I would love to be able to do or have the, the ability to, you know, have that type of uh, connection and relationship with my students, being a teacher. And then now as a principal, I mean, it's just, you know, new levels. I mean, it's really it's blossoming and really, um, you know, just changing the narrative, um, you know, in some of the schools, Title One schools in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So that's when my mentors always reach out to him. And, you know, I'm following his moves now. Currently, I see, you know, as he wrote a book, he's speaking, you know, things that I'm, you know, and currently I'm working on doing. So it's uh, that's a that's a big mentor for me that I, I definitely hold close to me. Like we always got, we got a saying like "always in your corner." Mm-hmm. So you know, is you know, we were always there, like kind of like the coach, like in a boxing match, like your, your coach or your trainer in the corner, like, "Hey, all right, whenever you're ready to come back after you have been teaching and you didn't got hit in the ribs, you know, like, you, you know, you, everything bruised, you're tired, <laughs> like you might got swollen eye, but you know, all the things that comes with teaching on a you know on a daily basis. But when you're ready to come back in the corner. All right, it's time to uh, kind of lift you up. Let's get you, put some ice on you, and get you back out there. So um, that's one of the guys that I look up to um, that really models for me and that I'm still inspiring to um, to be like. 
Absolutely. Well, I'm sure he's very proud of you because in watching your story develop and watching your energy and what you bring to the classroom, as you were describing him, I see you um, and you are in my mm-hmm. example and, and one that I want to share with other teachers that, you know, here's another caveat to what you're sharing. You don't have to have the costumes and the music and the social media presence to be a great teacher. You just got to show up with passion and you've got to connect mm-hmm. to your students, the content to their real life, whether it's through music or or whatever it is, but like, you don't have to like spend a lot of money to do this and you don't have to be out of the box creative, but you do have to come show up ready to teach and just put everything you got into it. And I think that is the most important message out of what you're saying is he captivated and you captivate in multiple ways. It's just not always with the flair, but what the most important piece is that desire and that passion to connect with the kids so you can connect the material to kids. Absolutely. I actually have a interesting story that's connected to that. It was uh, it was my sophomore year in college, and I did an internship at Clemson University uh, through my Lacoin Mister uh, program. And there, I was in charge of teaching uh, fourth fourth graders social studies and easily housing projects. So this is of course you know Title One low income mm-hmm. background. And one of the students um, that I had it was only maybe a class of like nine. Uh, for the summer for two months. And one of the students that I had, my name was Devon, he kind of uh, confirmed for me the path that I wanted to take. And this was early on. And throughout that time, I didn't have any pedagogy. I didn't have any techniques. I didn't have none of these tools, these fancy words, nothing. I mean, I'm <laughs> a broke college student just going, you know, just going, all right, well, what do I got to do for the summer? And, um, and just simply through that experience of just being every day, and he gave me a hard time. He gave us a hard time, right? So, you know, the students that usually are, you know, there to either make your life the best it's ever been or a little rough, <laughs> they show up every day. That's right. Right. So he, he, did not miss, he did not miss a day. And I'm telling you, at the end of that program, I'll never forget, at the banquet, you know, his mother came to me and, you know, he was like, man, you know, Devon's a little shy. You know, he you know, has little, some little behavior issues, but I understand why now. Um, he like, yeah, um, you know, he came to me. He said, you know, at the, at the banquet for ends that like Mr. White is my hero, and that's what I want to be like when I grow up. Oh. And I'm 17 years old. I don't have no tw- nothing in the toolkit, like anything. <laughs> that what that taught me. Seriously, I still I probably still have my uh, my Yankee fitting on. I'm from you know, Queens, New York, and my you know my fitted jeans. And what that kind of taught me uh, and the way it set my path into education was that honestly. 60% of the battle is showing up, yeah. right? Consistently showing up and just being there, like to actually produce and actually provide and just being around and being to expose scholars to just, you know, make faces that they haven't seen. So I just imagine what that would be like when I did get something in my toolkit. If mm-hmm. this was the impact having by just being there on a consistent basis, you know, then what happens when you do have a toolkit? So to your point, you really don't need a lot of flair. You don't need like, the flashing lights and smoke and all, you know, the pretty stuff you see on Instagram. You literally can just show up and be a passionate educator. And that alone, that alone is going to have you know, a magnified impact throughout your entire building, not just your classroom, because then it can be contagious. It affects other teachers who's watching you, you know, who teachers who watching them. And then it becomes just this, this thing that just manifests throughout the building. And it didn't take a lot. It just really took you showing up and having a love for what you do. That is awesome. He still remembers you and you remember him. And I just love the impact that 
that teachers have. And some folks think that, you know, teachers are the only ones that make the impact. But a lot of the times it's the kids. They make us better. They push us to try new things and try a different perspective or a new angle because it's not clicking, not working. And they challenge us. But in the end, it's always their faces that we see that help develop us into our best. So I hope you always hang on to his name as the one that really pushed you to get into this profession. Because without him, gosh, I would hate to think where you'd be. I love that you're an educator with us. Yes, man, absolutely. Definitely get all the credit for me. <laughs> well, we were talking a little bit about your mentor and how we, he was kind of doing all this without social media. And I'm sure he had his own people in the corner to, to push him and strive towards. But where do you go to kind of keep up to date on what's happening in, in education, making sure you're trying all the latest things, especially now that there is social media out there for you to tap into? Yeah, so I know... Um, one of the things that I, that I enjoy doing is attending conferences, like different conferences on just, you know, um, uh, just different techniques and ideas. One, um, I'm, I'm also a part of a conference, uh, Teach Your Heart Out. So, yes. you know, amazing educator, you know, presenters. So, you know, every time, you know, I go to a conference present with them, I'm going to their sessions and I'm looking at, okay, yes, I'm presenting here, but I'm also a learner. I'm here to learn as well. So I'm fully in there. You know, my notepad and just getting these great ideas <laughs> and just really building that network and staying connected because then they know people who, who they think are amazing, who, you know, they put me in connection with. And then we just continue to, like, you know, share ideas and go off of each other and just continue to build. Because I know one, the, the, one of the biggest things that, that I'm really passionate about and that um, I'm an advocate for is sharing, like, in our community. Like, it, it's okay if there are multiple people doing the same thing you're doing, right? It isn't, this isn't just, this isn't the NBA. This isn't one MVP <laughs> at the end of the year, right? You don't get the MVP trophy. Like, it's literally, we're a community. We're like, for what's best for students, and we are, like, empowering each other when we reach out and just ask, hey, well, what do you try with this? So, you know, attending conferences, of course, keeping up, you know, the latest uh, social media, and um, there's a lot of times, you know, and Pinterest, so thing, there's different things like that, and there's looking out for just any opportunities where I can just grow, right, as an educator, whether it, whether it's just a self-care conference, right, because that's important, too, where we're heading, and I love the direction that we're heading now, uh, which is really just taking taking it serious or taking into account the uh, social emotional well-being of adults, mm -hmm. right, not just students, but also focusing on, listen, hey, you need to take care of yourself, and sometimes you need to step away, right? And they come back and retool in order to be the best self version of yourself for students. So um, just things like that. I like to keep up that and, um, you know, subscribe to certain newsletters, things like that to really just, you know, keep my uh, my ear on my, my uh, finger on the dial yeah. and see which way the kitchen is heading. And you mentioned getting out of your school and getting out of your district and going to these conferences. And that's the best thing. I used Twitter as my first experience to kind of get out of my bubble. And it was the best thing because I was really, I worked in Title One for a while and I got so invested in their stories and I carried their burdens. And like you're saying, self-care was just not a thing. And 
certainly weren't encouraged to take a day off. And I was just running low, running on empty. And for whatever reason, can't remember why, but I got onto Twitter chat and I found that there's all these amazing teachers out there who are not negative, who are very excited to show up for their students and try new things. And they've got all these different strategies. And I loved hearing people that didn't have the same types of students I did and, and hearing their stories. And it was that moment that, that really brought in my learning network of, okay, I need to connect with these folks and not always think that what's happening in my little life right here is how it is everywhere. And that, you know, this is just not for me because I'm around all these negative people or this isn't going my way right now. It's like, they're the ones that really helped lift me up and provided encouragement. And then when I kind of got back on my feet, I was able to pour back into them. And so I love that you mentioned conferences as a way to meet folks from all walks of life and share strategies. And you said, what's the word I'm looking for? My own session on what I'm doing in the classroom, but I'm also going in as a learner to other sessions to find out what I can bring back and what I can share. And it's not like I'm greater than thou, even though you're also moving towards leadership, it's I'm still on the same team. I'm still trying to do this thing along with you. You know, we are all educators, like forget the hierarchy and let's just work together and, and produce something great. So, oh, such great advice there for teachers to please look outside. And you even mentioned newsletters. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to just see outside of what you're going through. But you did bring up an amazing conference. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk to us about what it is, um, what it's like, who should go to that kind of conference and where we can find out more information. Absolutely. So um, the conference you're referring to is called Teacher Hideout Con. It's a, a conference that would you know, really put together uh, a lot of amazing educators from different wakes of life, like whether it's in Texas or in Charlotte to uh, New Hampshire. Like we, we all come together with one common purpose of just sharing ideas and just really um, trying to, you know, bring that creativity and excitement back into the lives of educators. Because a lot of times, as we know, educated burnout is a real thing, right? Yeah. And sometimes you can get, and it's not just burnout, but you can also get caught up sometimes and the uh, with social media and else with comparing yourself to others. And then that can cast a little cloud on you to where, oh, I'm not doing as much as I'm not doing, um, you know, because I'm not have this or I'm not showing that. But, like, when you come to this conference, you really come in, it's like you're joining a family. Like, we're a family network, so it's not us sitting on stage talking to you about how much we know. It's us asking, okay, hey, guys, let's do this together. Like, everything is, all right. You know, even if I'm down down to the shirts we wear. Yes, we have shirts. Guess what? You have the same ones. We're wearing the same ones you have. <laughs> like you said, there is no hierarchy or no, hey, because I'm more popular. You know, right. I have no more. No, it's absolutely all together. And it's different sessions down to new teacher tips, to, you know, equity seminars, to um, engagement with, uh, you know, teaching and so forth. Um, in fact, myself and Bethany will be doing a session together in San Antonio, Texas on October uh, fourth and fifth um, at a teacher uh, hardout conference, and you can find out more about that at teacherhardout.com. Uh, and you know, we're just looking to that or follow the page on Instagram at teacherhardout and um, tyho. And really looking to like, it's just so many different creative sessions of speakers with Gary, like uh, Jerry Brooks yeah, and I everybody. Love him. I mean, Jerry Brooks. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. He's, he's part of the team and. Um, you know, so we have we have it all. I feel like um, they cover all bases, and this is open to veterans, whether you're new, whether you're, uh, you know, teacher in the middle, you know, still trying to figure it out, 
uh, for everyone. Like just come, come and join the family, and we keep in contact, and we kind of really, really want to build this network and this community of really just love and passion within our, within um, you know this field. I think we need more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this particular podcast is dedicated to teachers of a variety of backgrounds. Like you kept mentioning new teachers, teachers in some sort of transition or maybe distress situation. And then we've got teacher leaders. So if you were to pick one of those types of teachers to give advice to, who would you pick and what would you tell them? Uh, I just got one. Um, new, uh, let me see. Let me see if I can probably go through the list. So for new teachers, I definitely would say... One of my advice that I've learned, uh, just being myself, you know, when I first came in to where I am now is you definitely want to slow down and go fast, right? So uh, a lot of times that you get hit with so much information. Um, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching the current day. You get hit with so much information at the beginning of the school year, but, you know, use this and this patient guide and this curriculum and this data and that in a way you can, you can really overwhelm yourself with the whole idea. Man, I have to... You know, if you want to improve perfectionist or if you just, I got to make sure I'm up to par or, you know, if I'm next door to the veteran teacher who has everything, seeming like it just, you know, daisies and roses. So you just really slow down, take time, prioritize and go, okay, this is my actual need right now, right? And this is what my students need. And then from there, just build on that. You don't always have to eat the whole pie in one sitting, you know, take it in different slices. Um, for teacher leaders, I definitely would say never lose sight of, you know, what it was like when it was your first year. Yes. Right. I always remember, and that's a big thing for me when I'm talking to my colleagues, I always reference that. Listen, I'm like, I, I'm, I still remember what that year was. That was like my first and second year, honestly, first and second year, like of how, you know, what, what it was like and how it was doing. And what I like to do now is, encourage especially you know teachers that are maybe a little looked at as a veteran or a leader example from other teachers to never undervalue the 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 simple comments of hey i saw what you're doing you're doing a great job or thank you for doing this today this a simple compliment means the world to teachers who just coming in and they already feel the up to their neck and you know they're just trying to stay above ground and just to have somebody come in and not come in, hey, listen, try this and do that or come in with a clipboard, but just come and say, hey, I just want you to know, man, I really appreciate what you did, man. That was amazing. Right? You know, certain comments that, that I've seen that happen and how emotional teachers get just off that, right? You think that they just won no more peace prize or something. It just, <laughs> it means a lot. The fact that someone acknowledged them. Just make sure you're acknowledging, like teacher leaders, make sure you're acknowledging like your teachers that's in there, like that's really going, you know, 100, 180 days a year with no recognition or just nobody even noticing. Not that they need it, but just notice them. Maybe a thank you card, uh, you know, just really modeling, you know, what it's like to be in that position to where and giving other people hope. And just kind of reuniting their fire, you know, because they need it every day. Like yes. every week somebody needs to get pulled back, you know, based off the week they might have had, right? So um, I would say... That would be my two pieces of advice for those two. 
That's great. That's great. I like to embarrass my guests just a little bit and give you a little opportunity to share your best all-star teacher moment. And let me just tell you, it's really to allow other teachers to beg, borrow, and steal from you. (laughs) But it's also a moment to (laughs) praise you for an awesome job. Well done. So go ahead and share that moment with us. So my best teach, my best all-star teacher moment. Okay. So (laughs) is this from the lens of what I felt like was like really like my aha moment or just a technique strategy. Which you can go sure whichever I'm... way you want to, and you can share both if you want. Okay. Okay. So I know for me, what I consider my best all-star moments was when um, we were studying a novel, um, studying a novel called uh, Meg Loman's The Beautiful Roof in the Rainforest, right? The Most Beautiful Roof in the Rainforest by Meg Loman. Well, she's a um, rainforest scientist. And... We was two months just going through that, and, and you know it's nonfiction, so it's interesting, but it's not really interesting to some of my <laughs> students. So he know how that is. So we got to you know go through a unit, and we got to get through the standards. And I know at the close of the unit, you know they was talking about these different insects and these animals in the rainforest and the canopy and things like that. And I said, okay, we're gonna have a closing project. I just want you to create, you know, just, if you could access some questions. Just create what question would you ask her, right? You interviewing a scientist. So we kind of went through that piece um, on that Thursday. And then that Friday, um, I had my computer turned off. I mean, my, uh, my Promethean import turned off. And then I'm like, all right, um, when we were with the project we working yesterday, everybody take out your questions. Okay, that's when you know, maybe we might ask each other something. So they took them out, like, all right, what to do next, Mr. White? I hit the Promethean board, and then I had Meg Loman on Skype. So there's, there's what? a uh, scientist, yeah, like the scientist unit, I mean, from uh, Engage New York. So the whole curriculum, you know, is based on her, that that unit is based on her, centered around her life. And she was in the rainforest. Like, <laughs> I, so I have found, so I reached out, you know, reached out, she reached out to me during email. You know, she had seen one of my videos and it had Meg Loman in the background. And she reached out and I said, yeah, mom, she was going to be loved. So, I mean, that's that moment when I turned it on. And then, oh, <laughs> and then like they, I mean, they was going crazy. And then um, when they really the big piece about it, they were asking real questions. Like their questions were really interesting, and she's in engaging with them and answering them. And I mean, it was just a beautiful thing for me because it's like, you know, this this all your hard work is paying off. Like this was this led to somewhere else. God, so yeah. you know, just unit studying is real. Like this is real life that you really connect to this. Like you really can say you talk to this person, like you actually saw them, they saw you, they acknowledged you. So it's kind of just connecting that back to their real life. And I think that was uh, one of my, uh, you know, one of my uh, best all-star moments. I would agree. They will never forget that. And thank God they were prepared with some questions because they (laughs) might've been starstruck and it would have been an awkward pause. (laughs) I'm telling you. Well, if someone were to want to recreate that opportunity and they feel like I wouldn't even know what to say to someone or I'm nervous to reach out to this famous person, what would you say that really helped and encouraged you to connect and whether they she was willing to come or not, but you didn't feel that was a barrier for you? Um, yes, I just thought that, you know, one, uh, any novel studies or even a book in general, maybe just some, something you're doing uh, for a week, just... Uh, the idea of connecting it back to real life. And sometimes there's not a lot of books at our disposal unless we go buy it ourselves or in a book that actually relates or connects to a lot of our scholars' lives. So 
just the idea of just attempting to try to connect this so they can give them exposure. Um, just simply, you know, it comes down to simply is Googling who the author is, right? Or just, you know, send in an email to whatever the email pop up or find, you know, everybody on social media now, find them on Instagram. Hey, you know, my, my scholars have been, you know, reading this book and studying this. We really love if you, know, you had opportunity to speak with them on it, you know? So it just really came down to, you know, uh, how can I best, like, expose them to um, this text, even though it's part of my curriculum, whereas this may not have been the most interesting thing to them, but I want to make sure it relates and that they can walk away from saying, okay, I'll connect more to this than just knowing uh, the standard or just knowing, uh, you know, the type of insect that's in a book. I actually know the person who dissects them and experiments them. So just really, you know, just taking that first step of a simple email, maybe you want to craft a general one, right, and send it to multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, and who, who kind of uh, responds and sends back. It's, it's no harm in trying, I always feel like. When you, and when you're involving, we're doing something for kids or students, I mean, there's really no, I don't think there's a loss in that because the only option is, hey, maybe you don't see it or you don't respond or you do. Then either way, you, you know, you attempted to try to do something more in your classroom or do something more for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. And that is how you reignite your own passion and potential as an educator. So on a um, consistent basis, like I, so I, I'm a bit of a, I, 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 I'm a fan of routines, right? Mm-hmm. And I am structured. And some people, at times I can be uh, type A, but I feel like that I'm selective type A. <laughs> Okay. So I'm not, I'm not feel like a permanent, <laughs> I'm only type A when it's involving something that I need to create or organize. But um, I know a lot of times routines can become a little um, tedious and uh, kind of maybe a little um, boring for students. So I know it can be as simple as rearranging the seating, uh, the seating in my classroom or just uh, maybe I got some new air freshness or, I'm, you know, I'm going to try this new chant or this new strategy, there's something that also motivates me. Like, okay, this is a, a fresh day, right? It's a, it's a fresh start. And it keeps reminding me that every day is a fresh start, no matter what happened. So you know what? This idea didn't work yesterday. I got another idea. Let's go. So it's like, you know, to keep myself motivated because I know my uh, my uh, coach, my reading coach, she'll come in and say, this is, my, uh, this is my favorite uh, setup so far. And I'll say, you said that last time. I, said, <laughs> I know I always say this, but but you know, you know, you change the room around six times a year, or right? you know, um, so you know, I'm a fan of consistency as far as structure and things like that. But right. just something to keep the you know you excited about coming into your classroom the next day, or whether that is even waking up, change a routine. Maybe I turn on Eric Thomas and stuff like a podcast uh, before coming into work. Now you know, all listen to this podcast. So it just you know keep myself. Um, in tune and just wanting to come back the next day the same way I want my students to come back the next day. Oh, so good. And you mentioned, you know, having someone in your corner. Well, you can be in your own corner for yourself, cheering yourself on. I love the advice you gave all throughout this episode. So valuable. Can you let us know where we can connect with you if we want to watch you in action or maybe ask you a question or really just stay connected with you? Yeah, so you can uh, find me on uh, social media, Instagram at that's be white. T-H-T-S-B White. Um, I also have a website, I am Barry White, com. You can reach me on there. You know, um, you can subscribe and chat. 
Um, on Twitter, same thing. That's B White. Facebook, Barry White Jr. Um, I have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can just type in Barry White Jr. and it'll come up. So, you know, just um, stay connected. I'm, I'm really big on sharing resources. I would love to learn from everyone that listens to this podcast, you know, and that tunes in, as well as um, share any ideas that I have and answer any questions that, in a way that I can be helpful and impactful to you. That's awesome. I'll share all those that you just mentioned in the show notes so that if folks can't remember, they're on the go, they're at the gym, whatever they might be doing while they're listening, they can go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast, find this episode and everywhere uh, they were just mentioned on social media. We will make sure that you have a link there to reach him because this is one awesome guy who has a heart for education, but a bigger heart for developing young people. And Barry, I just want to say thank you so much for being a guest here. But thank you for having me. It's definitely been an honor. I'm definitely happy about this opportunity. Wonderful. Well, have a great evening. Thank you so much. I mean, wow. Did you not fall in love with Barry? Come on. That was such an empowering message. His whole purpose for how he connects with people and why he does what he does is just awe-inspiring. And I am so thankful to be able to say, I know this wonderful human who's doing great work in our city's neediest schools and in the neediest district. And I am so beyond honored. He was willing to take time to share his story, to share his message, and hopes that it also inspires you to take action in your own school building and your own community to make it better than what it currently is, to find out what your gift is and personalize it for your students or your staff. I truly encourage you to connect with Barry on social media. Watch how he's transforming the lives of his students so that they can have the brightest possible future. And I also encourage you to just ask him whatever questions you might have of of how you can add that same spark to your own instruction or into your own school building so it feels like a family. He is truly revolutionizing the way we look at education today. Barry, if you're listening, thank you so much for being a guest. Uh, I appreciate all that you're doing. I respect you. I honor you. And I am just so very thankful you are an educator. You are affecting so many lives in the best way possible.